I came here. I didn't find work for I think I think three or four years. It took me a really long time and a lot of beating down, a lot of doors. Why would a woman from India who didn't grow up in the U.S. Why can she help me market anything? She has no sense of the culture. Like, what's a puja? Like, puja. You know, do you speak English? Like, what is a? What you know what I mean? It is so. I was so not like anyone else. Welcome to Lead with Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question: Are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there. And plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. I am proud of my Filipino Hawaiian heritage, and I can't believe that it is the final week of May, which is AAPI Heritage Month, and I am proud to amplify the voices of of Asian American and Pacific Islander business leaders through the Lead With Your Brand podcast. That's why each week this month, I've been featuring AAPI leaders who are making a difference in the world and their industries. Make sure to check out our entire collection at leadwithyourbrand.com backslash AAPI. And I am proud to have an another amazing media leader today. It is Pooja Vora, who is the executive Vice President of Marketing and Strategy for Showtime Networks. But before we get to Pooja, I wanted to talk a little bit about thinking about your brand as we reopen in a post-COVID world. So I know many of you as listeners are sitting in cities that are starting to reopen, that are starting to ease back restrictions, and I know you are all vaccinated, and if you're not, make sure to get out there and get vaccinated. But as we start to come back in into the real world and move off of Zoom and Microsoft Teams and doing everything on the telephone, I want you to start thinking about how you can amplify and reconnect your brand with people that you haven't seen in over a year. So here's what I want you to start thinking about. I want you to make a network map and put down all of the different clusters of folks that you know. Who are some of the folks from the place that you work, the places you volunteer? some of those associations you're part of, some of those educational or alumni associations. Create a map of those different buckets because what I don't want you to do is fall into autopilot as you start reintroducing yourself in real life. What do I mean by that? We all have bias. If we're human, we have bias and we tend to focus on folks that are the most similar to us 
and the closest to us. So don't be on autopilot and just go after that small network of folks that you haven't seen. I want you to start reconnecting with your full circle of contacts so that you can amplify your brand. So I want you to start making a plan to go out and who are you going to have coffee with? Guess what? I already have coffee and lunch dates set up for middle of June when we know that Los Angeles and the state of California are reopening. Beyond that, start going on to LinkedIn. Who are those folks that you've lost contact with that you know you want to be in contact with again? How are you reaching out to them and just saying, hey, hope you and your family are doing well? Wanted to check in. More importantly, how can you reach out to folks and say, hey, I'd love to grab 15 minutes with you for a little bit of air? What do I mean by air? It's an acronym for advice insights, and recommendations. How can you say, I'm working on this project and I'd love your advice, insights, and recommendations on a particular topic. And I'd love to just grab 15 minutes, whether it's in person, on the phone, or on Zoom. Here's the thing. You can go out and reconnect and amplify your brand, but do it in a smart and strategic way. Go out and make sure that you're touching a lot of people and a lot of different and diverse people that are going to connect you to different communities and social networks. Well, with that in mind, I am excited to get to our guest for today. Her name is Pooja Vora, and she is the Executive Vice President of Marketing and Strategy for Showtime Networks, Inc. In her role, she oversees the marketing of all Showtime original programming, including award-winning series such as Billions, The Chi, Black Monday, Your Honor, The Good Lord Bird, and The L Word Generation Q. She also oversees its full funnel media efforts, promotions, digital strategy, and social media, as well as brand strategy and analytics. Now, prior to working at Showtime, she also worked at True TV at Warner Media and at Bravo and Oxygen Media, where I first met her way back in the mid-2000s. Now, prior to her time in the U.S., she also held marketing roles at Seagram India and MTV India. We'll be back in just a few minutes with Pooja Vora. Hey, everybody, it's Jason Patria, host of the Lead With Your Brand podcast, and I am here with one of my fabulous friends. And hello, I'm Sue Ann Hong, president and CEO for the Center for Asian Pacific American Women, or as we say, Kapaw. We're thrilled to be partnering with Jason to celebrate Asian Pacific Islander American Heritage Month. That's right. Each week in May, we're showcasing an amazing career story from a person of Asian Pacific Islander descent, and I couldn't be happier to share our platform with Kapaw. So join us every Tuesday in May for a new episode of the Lead With Your Brand podcast featuring a fabulous API guest. So look for us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and check out leadwithyourbrand.com backslash AAPI to see all of our fabulous interviews from the last season. See you there and happy Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And we're back. I am super excited about today's guest. It is Pooja Vora, who's the EVP Marketing and Strategy for Showtime Networks. Pooja, what is going on? Jason, I'm so excited to see you. It's been it's been 
a while. Yeah, it's been so long. And I know, I hope you're surviving the uh, craziness of work from home. Or or living at work. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Because now we're living at work and the work never ends. So Pooja, I've been so excited to talk to you because you're just an amazing marketer and an amazing media veteran. So tell me a little bit, when you first meet people who don't know you, how do you explain to them who you are and what you do? I always say, you know, of course, I'm I'm a mom first and foremost. I feel that defines everything yeah. about me. I, I say I'm an immigrant, which I think defines another huge part of who I am. And and I'm a marketer. And, you know, folks often would be like, well, what does that mean? And it's interesting. Many people always think marketing means sales. They think you sell something. And of course, at the end of the day, we all sell something. But then in the context of television marketing, I'll always talk about it's about getting people to watch our content and to watch our shows. So doing a plethora of things on different platforms to get you to pay attention to the shows and to get you interested in them. Yeah. And so tell me, what are some of the exciting things you're working on at Showtime right now? Oh my God. Showtime is an embarrassment of riches. I I cannot, I'm, I'm serious. I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky to be there. I've only been there a year. So I started the week before the pandemic, before, before the shutdown. It's been such an interesting journey to start a new role at that time. I had barely met anyone. You know, we have had, you know, we are at this really interesting juncture where we have had some very big culture defining and culture moving shows. You know, we kind of have this huge heritage of shows like Homeland and Ray Donovan and Billions and going even further back, of course, you know, Nurse Jackie and Weeds and The Affair. Um, And now we have a whole host of new shows that we are at such an interesting precipice because I think we are juggling and like all of us are juggling this new streaming universe and doing things to break out in, I think, such interesting ways with the kind of content that we have. So we, last year, we had a lot of success with The Good Lord Bird and with Ethan Hawke, this big show for us called Your Honor with Brian Cranston. Shameless had its final season. Uh, We are going into this weekend as a big weekend for us. We have Don Cheadle comes back with Black Monday, Lena Waits, The Shy. And then as we go into the rest of this year, we've got Dexter, massive culture-defining show coming back uh, to Showtime. Uh, We have a huge show called American Rust, Yellow Jackets. I mean, there is, it is, it is incredible and a privilege. And I do not say this because I, I get paid to say this, to be associated with the caliber of talent and creators that we have at Showtime. So it's a real, it's an honor and it's a, it's stressful because you want to do right by that content and you want to do right for that work. Absolutely. So Pooja, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you is you have this amazing career across these really huge media networks, right? From Bravo and Oxygen, which is where we met. You've been at Warner Brother and, and Showtime. I want you to kind of think back over your career. What have been some of the biggest career breakthrough moments for you? And then, you know, the one thing I wanted to ask you about is on your LinkedIn profile. You talk about doing something like 150 informational interviews before someone would even give you a break. So so tell me about that, because that feels like a career breakthrough moment. Yes. And the number, I think, might have been 49. I don't think it was quite as much as 150. <laughs> but thank you for just amplifying, Jason. I appreciate that. <laughs> 
like rounding it up to the closest. Exactly. Just round it up. Um, you know, I would actually take one step back um, and even, you know, kind of go back to India a little bit. So I grew up in India and was at Seagram, an alcohol company, and then was at MTV Networks in, in Mumbai and had a really incredible kind of career, lots of exciting work at the time. India was just kind of opening up in terms of media. But when I was at Seagram, I happened to bring in this band from the UK called Uncle Fish Fry. And we used them to launch a brand of scotch called Passport. And at the age of 24, I was a band manager. I was on the road with them. For a month, I was on the road with wow. them. Gate, like clubs, gigs, making them. And I was like therapist to them because they were fighting with each other all the time. <laughs> I was doing PR and publicity. I came back, I could barely walk because I was so exhausted. It was the best month of my life. <laughs> it was the best month because I was like this. And so I quit in a month after that. And I joined MTV in India and I, I, moved, I moved cities. I took a 50 or a 60% salary cut. I stayed on a friend's couch for a year and a half just so that I could afford to live in Mumbai, which is a very expensive city. It's like worse than New York. But it was so exciting. Yeah. And then I decided at some point that I really wanted to come to the U.S. and be in the center of the media universe. You know, it felt like it's New York. You've got to be here. And so I came here uh, in late late 2000, 2000, and I had no idea how hard it was going to be. Yeah. I didn't have family. I didn't have any network. I hadn't gone to school here. I just showed up and I literally spent the first week on the couch of this lady that I had met in India like three months ago. And she had been traveling through India and she had an apartment and I stayed with her and, you know, and kind of took it from there. And I think to me, this the that was a big moment, making the decision from India to move to the US and kind of jumping off the deep end a little bit um, with no safety net at the time. I was young. I was like 28, 29. So I was young-ish. Um, I think that was huge because that those four years really defined who I was. You know, I had a relatively stable upbringing in India. I was lucky to be born into a you know, middle-class family, you know, my father pushed me a ton to work hard. And, you know, number two was never good enough. You always had to be number <laughs> one. But, you know, went to some good, great schools, worked really hard. And I think the interesting thing about being an immigrant, and I think about that experience a lot, is when you come from another country and where you, when you leave the comfort of your own home and come to a foreign, a foreign home, in some ways you are already... Um, you have such a thick skin because you've had to make so many decisions to push yourself yeah. out. So you're kind of already primed for, okay, this is going to be hard, but I think I can do it. You don't even realize it at the time because it takes a lot to leave everything that you know. Um, and, and you have to work so hard to get here. So I think me making that, leaving, being, un and I, I think that's a theme for me always, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm. And whenever things are too comfortable, I feel like, oh, you know, this is a little boring. Or I need to switch it up. I need to mix it up. Or what's what more? Someday that will hopefully stop so I can I can rest a little bit. <laughs> but so that was that was a big, big thing. And my parents were not happy about it. They did not want me to leave. I was doing really well in India and they saw no reason for it. But I was like, I've got to do it. I've got yeah. to do it. I came here. I didn't find work for, I, th I think, three or four years. And that's where the 49 informational interviews were had it took me 
a really long time and a lot of beating down a lot of doors. Because at the time, if you think about it in 2000, 2001, a diversity was not what it is today. I don't think people, and no, no, no knock on anyone, but people just didn't understand, and I get it, that why would a woman from India who didn't grow up in the US, why can she help me market anything? Mm. She has no sense of the culture. Like, what's a puja? Like, puja, you know, do you speak English? Like, what is a, what, you yeah. know what I mean? It is so, I was so not like anyone else. I hadn't gone to school here. I didn't have an accent. I didn't have a network. I didn't have any sponsors, you know? And so that I can imagine me knocking on doors and people being like, I don't know why I should hire you. So I really appreciate the people who took chances on me and specifically somebody called Karen Bronzo helped me, gave me my first break. So I, I, you know, she was incredibly important. And then, you know, a few other things happened and again, got comfortable and decided to kind of take my next big step. And I think Bravo was one of those other big career changing moments for me because you were suddenly thrown into this environment and you were there at NBC yeah. and Jason where I feel Lauren Zelaznik and Jason Klarman pushed us so hard. It was about transforming this brand from this older, more staid brand into something that was relevant and pop culturally crucial. And so I launched Project Runway season two and Top Chef season one and Kathy Griffin season one and Real Housewives season one and all of that. So that was huge because I think even though it was insane, I grew the most in those two or three years at Bravo. What was the hardest part during those years? Because it was so fun. (laughs) It was the hardest part was how hard you worked. Yeah. Because there was no letting up, even though we had no iPhones and no none of that. But we basically worked all the time because we all cared so much. But it was the best in some ways at that time. I was I was like middle management. I was a director. So you are close enough to the work, far enough away from like being too senior. You could really get your hands into things. Very smart people, great content. So that was incredible. And then I again, moved back to India. I was doing really well here. And I moved back to India for a couple of years. You got too comfortable? I I got too comfortable. I was like, oh, this is great. But, you know, it just felt like I should move back. I'm from India, moved back. I I won't bore you with all the details, but came back to the US eventually. And then I feel Showtime has been such an interesting new leap for me because I, I really enjoyed where I was at Warner. Really was so excited. Michael Engelman, who's my boss and the CMO at, uh, at at Showtime, called me when he was moving here. And it was such an imp- interesting opportunity for me because it was going to be about how much more I could learn and how I could learn to be in this hybrid model of us being a premium cable network, but also now really a streaming player. Yeah. So that has been a huge learning curve. And so I think the themes for me probably, as I'm talking to you, I'm thinking it's about like putting yourself in a situation where you're at the bottom of your learning curve Mm. and how can you now spend the next few months or years trying to go up that, you know, go up that, that mountain of, of learning and new, like flossing your brain. I think about like, it like flossing my brain. Yeah. And and then once you've got there, that that's when you're comfortable, right? And you, that's when you know it's time to learn. (laughs) I'm not there yet at showtime. (laughs) I have, I have, I have so much more, so much more to do and so much more to, I hope to give and to get. So not, not there yet because it's a lot. It's a lot. It's an exciting time at showtime. So, so talk to me about your childhood. What did you want to be when you were growing up? I was so boring. Oh my God. (laughs) I was like a, 
I was like a goody two shoes trying to be like, I don't know, I wanted to be an accountant and then I wanted to be an architect. I was growing up, I, you know, in India, there was not that many options at the time. You know, you could be a doctor, an engineer, an architect or an accountant. Like there was no, there wasn't like, you could be a food designer or any of that. So I just think my childhood was my father and my my parents who are here and nobody else can see it, but my parents, my, my, my dad died a few, quite 15 years ago. My mom is in India, very strict very, you know, hard work. And I think I mentioned to you at the top, really about if you want number one, you were not good enough. And that is a hard lesson. And I think it has messed me up in many ways, no doubt, but also has made me who I am. And I'll never forget when I I came to this country, took me four years to find a job. He did not want me to stay. He kept saying, you need to come back to India. This is ridiculous. What what are you doing there? Um, and because I had good jobs in the, in India, and I when I first called him and said I got my first job at Oxygen Media, I'm getting paid, I think like I don't know fifty you know fifty thousand dollars or something. I was so excited. It took me four <laughs> years to find that job, and he says to me the first thing he says to me, "Do you know that your cousin makes two hundred and fifty thousand dollars?" <gasps> first thing he said to me on the phone from India after I had called him. So that is <laughs> that was the environment in which I grew up. I I I loved him dearly. I love him dearly, but he was tough. He was in the he was from the army. He did not suffer fools and I think he to his credit at the time, I think he even though I was his daughter societally in India, women this is I'm going back I was born in the 70s. So, you know, women were just, uh, you know, you went to school, you went to college and for most part, you got married. Mm -hmm. You know, you did not have careers, you did not do. And so he really treated me like a son and pushed me and wanted me to go to business school and to be, you know, successful and strong. And so he was very progressive for the time, but he also whipped my ass a lot. So. <laughs> Yeah. So Pooja, talk to me a little bit about your executive brand. How would you describe your brand as a media and marketing executive? It's funny, you know, I did this yesterday evening while I was, you know, starting to think about today and this meeting. And I, I sent out a couple of emails to folks that I work with and my new team members that I work with, uh, you know, and I was curious, I said, I, I had a list of what I think I could be. And then I was curious how they saw me in the year. And then I heard Juliet Morris's interview yeah. with you. And she did the yeah, same exactly. thing. And I was like, okay, great good, minds good, think alike. Whatever, great minds, great minds. So I appreciated the, her, her podcast. I would say, I think I'm tough. That's first for me. And I think I'm tough for a few reasons. Uh, I'm tough on myself. I feel I, I'm constantly trying to improve myself, better myself, get better, get smarter, work harder. And that can be hard, I think, for everyone around me because I hold everybody else to the same standard. I think I'm tough because I can be very direct. I'm very transparent. I don't, I don't, not that I don't sugarcoat. I try and think about how to deliver hard messages, but I, I certainly, I'm not shy about speaking my mind of thinking or thinking about how can this get better or how can we think differently about this? So I think that can be the hard part. The other things that hopefully are my redeeming qualities are I fight hard for my teams. I fight hard for the people and I fight hard for them. I hope not just in the ways of them learning and growing and innovating under me, because it's one thing I say to all my teams always is we sometimes spend more time at work than we spend at home. And I want to make it count. I want our years together to make you, to have made you, you know, smarter, better, more poachable, more, more desirable in the job market. So I would say I'm direct, 
I am, I am, I, I push hard, I strive hard. Um, and I think I'm, I think I'm constantly curious. I'm trying very hard to learn. And I think I'm not scared of saying, I don't know, or can you tell me how you got to that? Or this doesn't, you know, can you kind of help me with this? Because I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not at your level in terms of your particular area. And I think, I hope that that gives people permission across the board to say, oh, we can ask those same questions. Yeah. Too. Nobody has to know everything. Yeah. It's, it's so, about giving so, the permission, right? Like you're modeling yes, it. Yes. And absolutely. It was interesting. So I had written down my words and then I wrote to my team and the words I heard back were extremely similar. So that <laughs> I, and so, and so one of, one of my, one of my direct reports whom I love and she's so, she's so, uh, so thoughtful. She sent me these words. I'm like, Danny, that was what I wrote. And she said, you can add self-aware to your list. Now. Uh, <laughs> so like, that's, that's true. I love that's that. True. Right. And, and when yes. you even talk about fighting hard for your team, it really dawns on me that when I look at your LinkedIn profile, you even put i'm proud of the teams i've built we deliver big while having a blast it's like you're even messaging that on on a public social media platform so i love this notion of being tough of fighting hard for a team for, of being curious how has how has that evolved over time as a leader for you what what are maybe some times where you realized wow something's not working at the level that i'm at and i, I need to change something it's so interesting you asked me this. I've been, as I get older, I'm almost 50. Um, I think I've been thinking back a lot about regrets and what do I regret and what would I do over and where did I, where did I mess up? And, and I'm happy to share this story. I, I, I won't share names for confidentiality reasons, but there was somebody who a few years ago I had to let go. And I feel I let go of them a little bit out of what I was thinking, but really I felt I was, I was, I kind of got pressured by a lot of voices around mm-hmm. me. And I always, you know, often you make hard, as a leader, you have to make a lot of hard decisions. And I feel I have always been able to make those hard decisions feeling that it was the right thing mm-hmm. to do and that it was right for business. And I have always tried to be as, as human as possible. And listen, these are not easy conversations yeah. to have and people on the other side are not happy about it. Obviously, I get it, but I have tried my best to be as thoughtful about it. This one incident always stayed with me. Recently, last year, I wrote to them. I, I, you know, they, of course, have never talked to me after that. It really upset them. I wrote to them and I was really long email of why I did it, why it was the wrong thing to do. I'm so sorry. And I will do whatever it takes to not to make it up to them, but to try and do the right thing by yeah. them. And and more recently, this person came into, you know, uh, you know, kind of career transition. And I am fighting and working so hard. I, I want to try and do as much as I can for them. Wow. And we've, we, we've kind of come together. We've made up. We talked about it. And I really, like, I think about, this is going to get dark very quickly, but I think about my deathbed. Like I think about, you know, what 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 will I regret? And I want to be able to go back. So I think sometimes I feel I... Yeah. I mean, so that that was just an instance of somewhere that I felt I should have been a more mature leader yeah. in that moment. And I wasn't. I, I gave in to some pressure, which was not the right thing to do at the time. And there was another incident, actually, also around the same time that I regretted was a hire that I made. And I had a wonderful team at my last at my last job. And I made this hire. And again, I had this inkling, just a little bit of an mm-hmm. inkling that it may not be the right chemistry. But I went ahead and I did it and it really had such significant repercussions. 
So I think hiring and firing are very important things as a leader. How do you build? I've, I've read this somewhere, you know, if you don't, if you don't think about the chemistry and the skills and strengths of the teams around you, you can do a lot more disservice yeah. to the to your stars. Like your stars and the people who are fighting and working hard need to feel they have the right pool that they're swimming in. So the people around them, their peers, you've got to think really carefully. So I just think that those leadership lessons of the people lessons are the are the most important ones that I think I have learned. And still learning. So much more to so much more to learn. Yeah. And so tell me, how do you show up in an intentional and thoughtful way on brand for Pooja? How do you show up intentionally tough but not mean and fighting hard for the team and, and being curious? How, do you, how does that show up on a daily basis? You know, it's hard to not sometimes be who you are yourself. So that's why I'm, I'm happy that I have now accepted that this is who I am and I'm not hiding it. I'm not hiding it in any way, you know. So from the early days, even at a new job, I am honest about my feelings, about what I think about the work. I try hard to A, be sensitive to the fact that the people in the room who are hearing that feedback may not have been the decision makers mm. for the work that happened, that there was other leadership that might have. So I try and contextualize that. I'm probably not successful every time, but I certainly try and say, I know this is not you, this is just the work. How can we look at the work and not connect it to the fact that you worked on it? But for us all to try and keep that separation so that we can look at the work and be critical and appreciative of mm -hmm. it. I think that is something I try and do. I try in terms of the fighting hard for my teams, you know, and I've heard this time and time again, which is helpful. I feel I've gone into organizations and pushed very hard for new opportunities for people who might have been hidden under rocks mm -hmm. for some time, underappreciated. I fight for promotions. I fight very hard for money um, and, and equity and, you know, just compensating people the right way, even though they are not. So often I've actually surprised people with, so now you are promoted or we're adjusting your salary. And they're like, oh my God, I had nobody. That's amazing. Versus the, the standard is somebody's, you know, can you promote yeah. me? And then it happens. But so I try very hard to be mindful of are people at the right level? How can we compensate them more? And it doesn't only have to be money. It could be projects. It could be training. It could be giving them opportunities to uh, present or be in executive, you know, leadership roles or present to executive leadership. So how can I, I, I think very hard about how can I shine a spotlight on people? And then the other part of the fighting hard for people, and it is, this is admittedly the most tricky, is sometimes fighting for people means giving them hard feedback mm. because you are fighting for who you think they can become. Wow. The easiest thing to do as a leader is to say, that's amazing. That's wonderful. But in your head thinking, okay, that's not really what I would like. But, but when you have that hard conversation to say, this is where you can do more. And I'm saying this to you because I want you to grow. I want you to go to the next level, but I'm telling you that will not happen unless you address these issues. Those are the hardest conversations because you're the bad guy yeah. in, that, in that case, right? Nobody likes to hear how they can be better. But, and people think about, oh, I don't like to hear that feedback. It's equally hard to give it because it's much easier <laughs> to not have a difficult conversation. Yeah. It's much easier to say amazing. Yeah, and just versus, walk by, right? We need to talk. Yeah. Versus saying we need to talk. I'm seeing this pattern. Can you address it? Let's talk about it. And so I think those are ways that I 
I guess I show up on a regular basis. But yeah. So I love talking to marketers because you know, marketing is such a cool art and a science. So so when yeah. you think about the marketing process, what are some things that you do as a marketer for your shows and the, the products that you're marketing that you think individuals could use to brand and market themselves as individuals or as professionals? Oh my God, Jason. That's a hard question. <laughs> I should I should have prepared that question. <laughs> or unless it's a surprise, it's a surprise question that you throw in. I think, and this is gonna sound a little obvious, but I think it's the most important thing, which is stand for something. Stand for something that you are comfortable with. You know, so A, have a point of view but have a point of view based in some sense of reality about yourself don't 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 try and be somebody you're not so don't be don't be bland don't be don't be something for everything have a point of view be pointed and and have it be about something that you feel is inherent in you it's part of it's authentic to you it's in your it's in your dna and then like fight for it show up show up every day being that you know be consistent with that because i think for a brand or for an individual, I think not having a point of view, not being authentic and not not showing up every day, not, not being consistent with that. I think those are that that's what makes you kind of go into obliviousness. Yeah. So tell me what what is it? What's your point of view or what do you feel that you stand for as as Pooja? I I rarely rubber stamp. Mm. I rarely, you know, I mean, either either it's really good or there's a way to make it better. And sometimes it might be like, this is fine, but I, I will rubber stamp it if I really believe. And people know that about me, that if I said something was good, I truly, I truly, truly meant it. Versus I just didn't care to think about it. I'm consistent. And I think as I've grown older, I have gotten more comfortable with the fact that I'm not for everyone. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, yeah, my 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 ex boss Chris Lynn uh, will never let me forget. Uh, apparently, at my interview, and I've gotten just even more comfortable with that. At my interview a few years ago with him, we only had one interview, and he said, apparently, halfway through the meeting, I even said to him, like, you may not want to hire me because I might be difficult for you. Like, I might be really like I will push and I will challenge and I will, you know, if I feel something, you're 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 gonna hear it. And so I'm not an easy employee. So you may not want to hire me. And he says, I, I never forget that. And I said, it wasn't a trick. I was just warning you so that you knew that I was coming in. That's the person I am. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not easy. Yeah. So, and I love that yeah, you said yeah. that kind of notion of you can't kind of be everything to everyone. And it's okay to not be the thing that is for a particular person. Cause it kind of reminds me like way back when I first met you, you were rolling out that first Bravo trade campaign about affluencers, oh, wow. affluencers right? Which was kind of yes, all right. about like, who, who are we going to super serve? Right. So, so tell yes, me a yes. little bit about that because I think that whole notion of like knowing who your audience is so important. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's so interesting. We, and we, it happens at every network, you know, you've got to be so conscious of who you are going after, because then you can really craft your brand for those people. And I do believe that if you find, if you can be everything for someone, that is pretty good. 
You know, I think in trying to diffuse yourself and trying to have everyone think about you positively or want to be with you might mean that you are you are really not for anyone. And I think to to engender brand love mm. and to engender brand passion and brand loyalty whether you are a person or whether you are a brand I think is it means that you have to stand for something and and show up in that way. So I I think I think knowing who you are serving and I I think about that for myself Jason you're making this like I'm it's like a therapy session. <laughs> um <laughs> do not charge me at the end of it I'm not I'm not paying you. Uh <laughs> I think being aware of of that and I I think about what am I serving who am I serving what am I for and there used to be a time when I was younger and I think I've have heard as you get older and as you know especially as women get into their 50s uh 40s and 50s you get more comfortable knowing that you are not for everyone knowing being comfortable with who you are and I certainly am embracing aging and everything that comes with it because it helps me be who i am mm. even though i would love to have you know you know wonderful you know black hair and no wrinkles and any of that but i i think what who i serve and what i'm trying to do is serve the best work that i can do for my brand and sometimes that means having hard conversations and making hard decisions but i'm trying to have the filter of is this the best thing that i can do for showtime content or for the showtime team to make to in in our goal of you know So it's kind of a constant battle yeah. but I'm I'm trying to stay true to myself. Mm. And speaking of of being on brand, what is your favorite brand? So as a consumer, not a marketer, what are you obsessed with? What can you not live without? So it's funny, my favorite brands and my husband talked to my husband yesterday about this. We tend to be and he and both of us together tend to be I think early adopters of mm. things. And I'm not very tech forward he's much more tech forward but so we were drinking spindrift 5 or 7 years 5 6 years ago i don't know if you use no. spindrift it's uh, it's like oh my god it's incredible so spindrift is club soda but with with fruit oh, with a little bit cool. of fruit and it was way before la croix and way before anything and it was a small thing in like the berkshires that we found so spindrift oatly we've been big fans of oatly for a long time which is the oat milk and the app calm do you know no, calm no tell app? me about it's it it's like it's like headspace it's like headspace but it's calm c c a l m and these three brands are so they they just mean everything to us <laughs> and i love them i love them uh because they um uh because the content the product itself is so good so funnily enough as a marketer i don't respond well to just marketing spin yeah. I care about the product. Yeah. The product needs to be of high quality. And so all of these three products, Oatly, Calm and Spindrift, I think are solid products that are so innovative in their in their uh, in their categories and the marketing is pretty good too, but it came I think the strongest marketing comes from when you have a great product yeah. and you don't have to make it up, you don't have to put this layer of like, you know, spin. Yeah, that's the authenticity piece, right? Exactly. So exactly. tell me if Pooja Vora was a car, what type of car would you be? I would love to say I'm like a mini, but I'm so not a mini. <laughs> uh, That's your aspirational no, one. There's there's no good answer to this. There is no good answer to this question, Jason. I pass. Ah, you pass. <laughs> but tell me why did you why why did you want to be a mini? <laughs> 
you know, Mini is, it's sophisticated, it's efficient, it's smart, it's sexy, it's, it's, uh, it, it takes up, you know, I don't know, it's, uh, it seems sustainable. It's not, you know, like a massive, you know, bull in the China yeah. shop. But uh, I, I don't have a good answer for what kind of car <laughs> I would be. But I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to think about it. Well, how about this? What is the best career advice that you would like to pass on to our listeners? I would say, and it is a, I say this very aware of the privilege that this comes with. Where possible, I think, to do what you love, that you think about all the time. I think, and it's it's not good. It's not good because I certainly have a hard time cutting off or saying, oh, it's eight o'clock now. I'm not thinking about my work anymore. I get excited, really. And I don't, I sound so facetious and so, you know, but it's not, I really, I love, I love what I do. I have always loved what I do. And that has really helped because I think that has come through in to some extent. I think my passion or my energy or my, any kind of relentlessness <laughs> uh, probably comes through. But again, it comes from a position of privilege because it means that you can afford to be that. You can afford to pick and choose what 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 drives joy, what sparks joy, what makes you feel good. Because I think when you love something, it allows you, because any job will have its ups and downs. There are times when you're like, this really sucks. It's is hard. I'm tired. I don't want to do this. But it allows you to get out of those 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 slumps a little bit. Uh, I have certainly been in way back when, you know, I've when I came to this country, I tried every which way kind of job. And I remember working at two tech companies, like just for very short periods of time. It just wasn't for me. You know, even though it felt sexy, you know, you're in Silicon Valley and all of those things. I knew it wasn't for mm. me. And it was it's soul sucking. You know, you sit in because you're at work 10 hours a day, like it or not. So I think it's a place of privilege to be able to say that. But I do think if you are not feeling joyful about what you do, what you contribute, I think it can get it can get really hard. Now, Pooja Bora, <laughs> thank you so much for sharing your spirit, yes, your We're energy, oh, and thank you so much for being on the show. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Well, that was just an amazing conversation with Pooja Vora, the EVP of Marketing and Strategy at Showtime Networks, Inc. Now, I am so inspired by hearing her story of literally giving up everything and coming to New York City with a dream and a passion for television because that is super inspiring. And you know what it leaves me with? At the end of the day, you want to find that connection and that intersection of where you are passionate, what are the things that you love, and combine that with your talents. We know that if you are not 
solving for your passions in your work, or at least in your volunteer work, you are not going to be satisfied as a full person. And ultimately, that's what authenticity is, is how can you mash up what you're great at and what you love. Well, that's the show that I've got for you. I hope you enjoyed Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, and make sure that you visit leadwithyourbrand.com backslash AAPI to hear all of our amazing interviews from the month of May, as well as seasons one and two featuring amazing and spectacular AAPI leaders who are making a difference in their industries and the world. And guess what? June is just around the corner, which means it's LGBTQ plus Pride Month, and I'll be excited and proud to bring you the voices of LGBTQ plus business leaders from around the world. Now, if you love the show, make sure that you subscribe or follow so you can get a new episode every Tuesday and check me out on all social media platforms. I'm at Jason Patria and especially look for me on LinkedIn where I share tons of tips and tricks on how to lead with your brand every single day. And just remember in your career, don't be a boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure you are a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.